Oh, I said hallelujah. I don't know whether you are excited, but I'm excited. I'm just looking around and I'm seeing some things that, wow. Wow. Now, it, 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 says, it says trash, broken, chosen. It says salvation, the salvation, God's grace, gift, the choice and anointing. Want to start a sermon series I call God's Choices. The things that God chooses. Why God chooses what he chooses. And why it's, it's important for us to know what God chooses. It's important for us to know what God will choose. Because if we are made in the image, then we must walk in tandem with our God. And we must know what God likes and what God prefers and what God chooses. Come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 all the way to 31 before we read a scripture i'm going to give you the protest of the context of the text so that you understand what you are reading you see sometimes when we read the bible we don't read the bible in context so we don't understand why what we are reading is there and why the writer is written what is written are you with me now this particular um, scripture we are about to read is taken in the context of Corinth, which is the middle belt between north of Greece and south of Greece. It's like a strip of land there. And um, the scripture says that, I mean, if you read Acts of the Apostles, I think from 20, 26 thereabout, um, you see um, Paul went to Greece. He was in Greece for 18 months. In the second, his second missionary trip, he was in Greece for 18 months. In Acts chapter 18. And it gives us a, a considerable detail of the work that Paul did in, in Corinth. And this was a, 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 a town, a heathen nation, a cosmopolitan nation. This is like, um, if you like, Paris or Rome or uh, London of our day. That, that is how this particular city was like. And it had a great population of Jews. Even though it was a Grecian city or a, a Greek um, place, it had a lot of Jews there. And those Jews had a certain mindset, just as the, Greece, the Greeks who lived there had a mindset. So that's the context of which this scripture is written. So come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We are reading from 18. The Bible says that for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the, wisdom, the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of the world, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. For, but those who are called, both Greeks, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, 
and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise among the, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring, no, to, bring to nothing the things which are. That no flesh will glory or should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that it is that as it's written he who glories let him glory in the Lord here ends the reading of his holy word so you see in this scripture you see that Paul is actually making a foolishness of the the pride that the Jews had in that the, the, the Jews felt that if God was going to come down, if God was going to do something uh, where man is concerned, God would choose a very powerful statement to make. God would come with a strong force. God would not choose a weak Jesus Christ who would die a shameful death on the cross as a choice. Are you with me? Because, you see, man has a certain type of um, uh, uh, mentality thinking. Man thinks in a certain way. And God thinks in another way to make foolish the things that the way man thinks. And for the Greeks, they saw um, philosophy, they saw history, they saw government, they saw uh, science as the way out. So if God was going to come to redeem man or God was going to do anything, he has to come to the intellectuals of, of their day. Are, are you with me? But Paul is saying, not so. God's choice is the trash, the broken things of this world, the things, the garbage bin, the things that we don't take, we don't pay much attention to. That is what God uses. Hallelujah. And so for us, it is, it is encouraging that we will understand that God will choose even me. If God can use anything, God can use as broken a person as I am. If God would do anything, God would not use the best person, would not use the Miss, Miss uh, World, would not use the, the strongest Miss Atlas or Mr. Uh, Universe or anything, but God would take a broken vessel as I am. Hallelujah. So we are going to explore this. As we look at it, we're going to look at some of the things that God chooses and why he chooses them. Hallelujah. But it starts by saying that the foolishness of the message of the cross how many will agree with me that it's a foolish thing? Because why will a sinless man be born? First of all, his birth is questionable because there's no father in the picture. The mother concocted a story that uh, he had the Holy Spirit overshadowed. What does overshadow mean? The, the Holy Spirit over. Have you ever heard from Genesis to Revelation, have you heard that a Holy Spirit overshadowing anybody? You know, and what does overshadow mean? Does that, does that mean that Holy Spirit came and had intercourse with a woman? And that created 
a son. And this son was born as God made flesh. And then you tell me that for 33 years that he spent on the earth, he never sinned. And if he never sinned, how did he end up on the cross? Because we know that in those days, the cross or the firing squad that was reserved for the heinous or people with the most heinous type of crimes. People who did the worst type of crimes, they were the ones who were crucified. Otherwise, you are in prison. So this guy, if he was not a murderer, if he was not a very guilty person, how did he end up on the cross? And you expect me, as intellectual as I am, as, uh, as uh, adept to uh, science as I am, to, to believe in this hocus pocus. Hallelujah. You know, when, you, when you, you think about it, it doesn't make sense. But you see, the standards of human wisdom makes no sense when you look at scriptural things. When you look at biblical things, God's standards don't make sense. So you see that it's a common theme that runs through the whole of the book, uh, 1 Corinthians. For example, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, he says that the natural man, the natural man cannot receive anything from God in that he is spiritually discerned. What Paul was trying to say was that when you use your mind, your carnal mind, to think about spiritual things, it won't make sense. That is why church doesn't make sense to our colleagues. That is why a lot of times when we look at uh, uh, spiritual things, we even who are Christians struggle sometimes to believe some of the things. Because we are trying to use our natural mind to, to, to fathom some of these things. And it doesn't make sense. I remember once I was witnessing to this little young girl. And the young girl said to me that if I can prove God in a test tube, maybe, probably, he, she might believe. And then I said to her, the test tube is a little too small for my God. Because my God is a little too big for this little test tube that you want me to prove him in. You know, our minds are too small. Our beans, our heads, everything is too small. You know, when you're in the plane, you don't even see human beings. They are like dots. Even, even houses are like dots. So can you imagine an infinite God and you, a dot and a high up, wants to use your, your brain, your head, your mind to fathom God. You want to use your scientific analysis to prove that God is. That is how come people say, no, creation didn't happen as the Bible says. That it happened like a big bang. There was a big bang theory. Now, that, that big bang theory has been... Uh, so now they say that it's not, it was a genetical modification. You know, if it was a genetical modification, then we should be modifying still. Men should grow wings by now and start flying. You know, because if you say that the, the, those, uh, what do you call them, those, ter- uh, uh, those uh, creatures who died, or who, dinosaurs and everything, they, they evolution, they evolve, they evolve, they evolve. Then the evolution must still continue. How come it has stopped? Hallelujah. So you see, Paul is contrasting the the wisdom of the world, human wisdom, with the wisdom of God. And he finds a higher expression. He says that with the wisdom of God, which finds the highest expression in the apparent foolishness of the cross. 
The wisdom of God finds its highest expression in a very foolish thing that doesn't make sense. You know, many a people have tried to just punch holes at the Easter story. Punch, punch holes at the cross. Many people have tried to make a nonsense out of it and they are still trying up to now. And still now they can't disprove. The tomb is empty, brothers and sisters. I said the tomb is empty. There is no grave. Anthropology, archaeology have tried to discover a, a human remains they can call Jesus's. And up to now, they've been trying for over 2,000 years. They still haven't discovered it. By the standards of human wisdom, it makes no sense. But human wisdom, attractive as it may be, on the surface, has no saving power. You cannot, you see, you cannot use psychology to save anybody. You cannot use psychology to deliver anybody. You cannot use, uh, I mean, we... COVID-19 has proved that science is so weak. Hallelujah. You know, we thought that uh, these science scientists we have are so powerful, they can discover everything. If, they, if that were true, how come all this were? We are just here trying to find a, a cure for a little virus. Apparently, the virus is, uh, is in the same family of the common cold. You can't, you say you have discovered cancers, uh, drug for cancer, drug for this, drug for this. The common virus, common cold. You haven't been able to find it. You see, that, but that is, that is the strength of human uh, wisdom. It, it's very pompous on the outside. It's very, very boastful, but it's so weak and fleeting. When you look at it in detail, you realize that we are so, so weak. We look so strong. You know, I, I, uh, recently I heard of this politician that died in, another, in a country, a, a foreign country, and this guy was so, so strong, very, very, you know, braggadocious and everything. He just, within two days, had a virus. The next day he was dead. Very simple. As a, a, a president went for an election, and he's, he ordered the whole country. Nobody should wear face masks and everything. In this country, there's no virus here. We all believe that we are, we are okay. So nobody had a face mask. So they went to the, um, uh, what do you call it, the election. After the election, he lost the election anyway. And then he died. I don't know why you are laughing. He lost the election, he died. His wife and son are almost in intensive care, almost uh, their last legs. And even, I think, the, 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 the incoming president has also got the virus. Hallelujah. But to us who believe, the foolishness of the gospel has the power to save. Those who are being saved have acknowledged their powerlessness and the, and the power in God's word and power in God's grace. They, are, they understand that they cannot defeat the sin that threatens to dominate their lives. We understand that we cannot defeat any virus, any sickness, any disease that threatens us with death. For the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So 
the, the, all the commission of everything that we, uh, uh, sickness, disease, is the, because, it's because of sin. Because sin abounds, God has created a law which says that the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Simple. So if we go on our carnal way and we go in the normal worldly way, which is not sin, but it's like because our nature is sin, the wages or the, the payment of sin is death. The grace was manifested most fully at the cross. You know, when Jesus lay on the cross and he said it was finished, he carried the whole weight, the weight of the world's sin on his shoulders. To the point that the father could not even look at him in the face. So he shouted, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He, the father had forsaken him because at that point, the Jesus who knew no sin had become the sin of the world. So much so that the father had to turn his back on his son. And when that price was paid and he said, it is finished, it meant what it said, that it was finished. Hallelujah. Come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We are reading from 13 to 15. It says that, but these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Amen. So when it, anytime you are reading the Bible, anytime you are in church and listening to a message, you must compare spiritual things with spiritual. But this, because this natural man or the, 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 the natural ma mind does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him. That is why anytime you are hearing the, the message, you are listening to preaching, it sounds foolishness. How many will agree that sometimes when you are listening to a message, it sounds very foolish? It doesn't make sense. Because you are trying to use your, your finite mind to fathom what is being said. It doesn't make sense. Hallelujah. Because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges, judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Amen. Then the scripture goes up, for you see your calling. Look at your calling. How not many wise after the flesh. You know, Paul was saying that, just come to the church itself in Corinth and look inside the church. It's true that the, the, the land or, or the, the, the place current where they are has a lot of philosophers, a lot of, uh, you know, brain, earthly, worldly, uh, brilliant people there, both Greeks and Jews. But you come into the church and look at the, the people around you. See your calling. How not many wise? How not many noble? After the flesh. Because God has not called all the, the, these uh, Aristotle and Einstein and all those people to come and be members of the church. But God has called you and I. Hallelujah. I say God has called you and I. Oh, you are not, you are not enjoying the, the message, are you? You are not understanding what I'm saying. God has called. He has called foolish-looking type of weak people. See your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty in, and not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish, seemingly foolish things. Seemingly foolish, seemingly weak people, seemingly people who don't have pedigree, 
Those are the people that God has chosen. Amen. Say, I am chosen. I am chosen. He has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world, the things which are despised, God has chosen. That the things which are not will bring to nothing the things which are. Amen. The, the things that doesn't look great, God has chosen them. We're going to look at some of these things that God has chosen to use. And then probably it will help us to understand why God has chosen these things. Amen. So God's choice. The first thing I want to talk about that God chooses is faith. Someone say faith. God has chosen faith, not science, not government, not politics, not uh, philosophy, but God has chosen faith as the victory of this world. Hallelujah. God has chosen faith, which is something that is unseen. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If God is going to choose something, God doesn't choose a tangible thing, but he chooses something that's abstract. You, are, you can't see, but he says that it is. Hallelujah. You can't see, but it is. First, first John 5, 4, the Bible says that, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The victory that overcomes the world is not science, it's not medicine, it's not anthropology, it's not archaeology, it's not philosophy, it's not sociology, but it's faith. Somebody say faith. Hallelujah. And so if you're going to be a Christian that overcomes the world, you must be a Christian that is strong in faith. You haven't seen, but you believe it. See, all of us have faith. Let nobody convince you that they don't have faith. Let nobody tell you that, as for me, I don't have faith. You have faith. It's just that you have faith in the wrong things. Yeah. Because none of us examined the chair we sat on before we sat on it. None of us examined the car that brought us here. Did an MOT, an instant MOT on the car to see whether the brakes work. Whether the steering is working all right. Whether uh, the driver is not intoxicated, whether the people, the other road users, the other uh, cars that are driving on the road don't have anyone who is suicidal driving alongside. Hallelujah. None of us did that. We all sat in the car and we expected to get here and we got here. So we all have faith. The problem is that we say that we, we don't have faith in the things that we don't have control over. Because maybe in a car, at least the driver has control. And you are sitting in a car, you can shout at the driver in case he's falling asleep. <laughs> or if somebody's driving towards you, you can, you can react. You can you know, scream and let the driver try and avoid the, uh, the person who's coming to uh, hit you. Hallelujah. But God has chosen something as foolish as faith to overcome the world. So you cannot be a Christian who is not strong in faith. In, in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, it says, For without faith, it's impossible to please him. 
For everyone who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You must believe in God. Hallelujah. You must believe in the things that you read in the Bible. You must believe in the things that you hear. Don't be a, a, a Christian like those Jews who, who believe, but they don't believe. They believe to a point, but they don't go all the way. Hallelujah. If you're going to be a Christian, don't be selective in the things that God uses, in God's choices. As for this one, I can, I can select. I, okay, it's fine. This one looks very wrapped and looks all right. So this one I'll take. But as for the trash, I'll leave it alone. As for the black, uh, the waste bag, I'll leave it alone. As for broken, you know, trash, I'll leave them alone. I'll pick this one because it looks okay. Then I'll pick God's gift because it looks okay. No. Let us be Christians that have faith in everything that God says he is. Whether it sounds plausible or not, we have faith in it. If God says it, it's good for me. If God says it, I can work with it. If God says it, then it's okay. I can go to the bank all day with it. It's time for us, especially in this day and age, for us to become men and women of faith. Because as COVID-19 has proved that science is helpless. There's news, 24-hour news, but it's all talking about hopelessness. Nobody talks about good news of the gospel. 24-hour CNN news, they don't mention the good news or the gospel. It's all who has committed suicide, who has died, how many people are losing their lives, how many people are getting uh, laid off, how many people are losing their jobs, and all that. That is all the 24-hour news that we listen to. Hallelujah. Because bad news sells. Hallelujah. Let me give you about five, six things that God chooses with faith. First one, God has chosen faith as the essential commodity in serving him. I just talked about it. If you're going to serve God, you cannot serve God outside of faith. You cannot be a Christian who is selective in your faith. Amen. You have, you have to be a Christian that buys wholeheartedly whatever God says. Hallelujah. You know, the Pharisees always had a problem with Jesus because their faith in Jesus was up to a certain point. The Bible talks about Nicodemus, a man who was of the uh, Jewish, of the, of the uh, uh, faith of the Pharisees, a, a noble in the Sahendrin. He came to Jesus by night and he said, Rabbi, no man can do the things. We, we, we believe that you, are, you have come from God because no man can do the things which you are doing. And Jesus looked up to him and said that, except a man be born again. He can never enter into the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus said that, how am I a fully grown man? How can I go back into my mother's womb to be born again? See, that is what the intellectual uh, capacity is like. When he's talking about being born again, he's trying to look at himself as a whole grown man going back into his mother's womb to come back out. Sounds foolish, doesn't it? And, and then Jesus goes on to say, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he says, ah, how can this, this be? 
And Jesus was Jesus marveled and said, "Are you not a Are you not a leader? Are you not a, 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 a scholar, a Jewish scholar, a rabbi, and you don't know these things?" He says, "The wind blows where it listeth. We feel it, but we don't know where it's going. We feel it, but we can't tell where it's blowing." He was born of the spirit is spirit. And he that's born of water is water. But you have to be born of the spirit and of water. Amen. Amen. Then he went on to break it down. To say to him that. Here's the deal. Nicodemus, I know you are a scholar, but you still don't know these things. Uh, that, that should tell you there are scholars who don't know anything. There are scholars Spirit, uh, what do you call it? Bible scholars that have, have done PhD, uh, you know, like double PhD, postdoc, and everything, who still don't know anything about the things of God. He said that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that he that believes on him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his, his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Hallelujah. You know, so it's like that thing that Nicodemus could not understand, fathom, because he was using his intellectual, you know, mindset to try and assimilate what Jesus was saying, was so simple. The greatest lover gave the greatest gift. For whoever will receive that greatest gift to become part of him. Hallelujah. And that is what makes us pleasing to God. That we just buy into his love. We don't know why he chose to love us, but we accept the love. Amen. I said we don't know. Have faith in what is not seen. For God rewards us for our belief in him and his rewards when we don't use what we see to believe. He rewards us when we don't use what we see. If God says you are healed, believe it. Don't want to feel well before you believe it. Seeing is believing. No. What he has said is good enough. Amen. I said what he has said is good enough. The second thing that you must understand, God has chosen faith as, as an essential commodity to qualify you as a son of God, as a daughter of God. Amen. In, first, in John chapter 1 verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. As many as received him. It doesn't take anything to receive him, but when you receive him, then it gives you the power to become a child of God. All you have to do is say that, I accept him. I receive him into my life, into my heart. I receive his healing. I receive his grace. I receive his forgiveness. I receive his miracles. I receive his bountiful love. I receive everything from God. And believe in it. Just as you believe in the chair you are sitting on. Amen. Believe in it. Just as you believe in the clothes you are wearing. I mean, as you're wearing the clothes, do you know that a button is about to go off? 
the, the trouser you're wearing, the, the buckle that is holding all you, because your, your, your trouser is oversized. And it's being held by a leather belt that is used, uh, has a buckle that is holding it. If that buckle came off right now, as you are walking in town, hallelujah. But you have faith in that buckle. You have faith in that belt. And you say you don't have faith in God. Hallelujah. Number three, God has chosen faith as an essential commodity to direct our paths. I want you to have faith in the directed path that you are walking in. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Acknowledge God in everything you do. Acknowledge him in your waking up moments and you're going to sleep moments. Acknowledge God. Get up praying. Go to bed praying. Pray all the time. Speak to God. Listen to him for his voice. Read his word. Hallelujah. Am I speaking to somebody? God has chosen this commodity to direct our path. A thousand will fall to your left. Ten thousand will fall to your right. None will come into your dwelling place. Why? Because he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. He will order your steps as you are going to sit on that bus. He will delay you at home. Your husband or your wife will just ask you to do something that will be very annoying. Or maybe your parent will ask you to do something very annoying and you'll be very annoyed because it's like they've spoiled your day as you're going to get jump on the bus and you miss your bus and you have to wait for the second bus. And you, as you're waiting, you're very angry and you have a frown on your face. You don't know that God has just delivered you from coronavirus because the person you're about to sit, the chair you're going to sit on, somebody had just sat on with the virus. Hallelujah. And you were the next to attract that virus. But just God ordered your step. Let's have faith in the ordered step of God. I don't know, but if you have ever worked with a toddler before, you know, like a, a two-year-old, I had my granddaughter with me the other day. And she had no shoes on. She wanted to go into the garden. So I took her without her shoes in the garden. She had, she was holding my little finger. You know, as she stepped on the grass and the grass went into the soles of her feet. She gripped my, my hand, my little finger with all the strength she had. You know, and then she, she took a step, she took a step, took a step. And then when it, the, she went like a few steps into the grass, grass, then I felt the grip re, re, reducing. Because now she didn't need my hand to order because she felt that she had, she had control. Are you with me? And that is how we are as, as human beings. You know, as we are walking, you're not sure. How this is, so we have to have faith in the hand that is holding us. Amen. But unlike the little girl who, who relaxes her grip, I want you to keep your grip still. As, even as you are walking, even when you think you've got it covered, still hold on to the grip. I say still hold on to the grip. 
Hallelujah. I, I, I took her back in to put the shoes on her because it's like I didn't want her to maybe get a prick on something on her And she wasn't happy. She wanted the shoes off so she can feel the grass. Hallelujah. God has chosen faith as the main ingredient to do amazing things in our lives. That's the next one. Hallelujah. God has chosen faith as the main ingredient to do amazing things in our lives. In Mark chapter 9 verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible for the one who believes. Amen. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. No matter how impossible it seems. Even when it seems impossible, everything is possible. Hallelujah. I say everything is possible. If only you have faith in God. Listen, I want us to increase our faith. I said I want us to increase our faith. Because faith is God's choice. Somebody say faith is God's choice. Faith is God's choice. So increase your level of faith. Amen. If you can erase your doubts and try to believe in Christ, amazing things can happen to you in your life. In your finances, amazing things can happen in your finances. If only you can erase your doubts. The problem we have as, as children of God is that we rely too much on our eyes and on our feel. Our senses are more important to us than our, our, our faith in God. So like the little girl walking in the grass was uncharted territory. So she needed to have faith in grandpa. But then when she walked a few steps and she felt that she had it covered, she wanted to release the grip. At the point, she wanted to run around in the grass without realizing that even though this side of the grass is covered, the other side is thorny. Hallelujah. But if you have faith in God, you know that he's going to order your step. You know that he's not going to take you to the place where there are pricks. Amen. The next one is that our salvation is through faith. Amen. Without faith, there's no salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9, about the four, by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's not of your works, lest anyone should boast. Hallelujah. We are saved by grace through faith. So if you take faith element out of the, out of the equation, grace alone cannot save you. Because the grace has been given, but faith is what makes you tap into it. Amen. It's like having a transmitter and a receiver. The transmitter is transmitting grace all over the place. But it takes faith to tap into the grace. Amen. And, and, and then he takes that trash and makes something beautiful out of your life with salvation. Hallelujah. If you believe in the Lord, he will save you. But his love is humble. He decides when to lend you a helping hand. It is his decision. Number six, God has chosen faith as the main ingredient to move mountains in our lives. 
I don't know what mountains are in your life at the minute. Financial mountains, medical mountains, uh, marital mountains, relational mountains, whatever the mountains are, it is faith that moves those mountains out of the way. Matthew chapter 17 verse 20, the Bible says that truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, if you have faith as small as the master seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Amen. In Matthew 22, 21 to 22, the Bible says that, So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what, you have done, what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believe and you shall receive. Amen. It is time to believe and have faith that God hears our prayer. Amen. Minister Michael was saying earlier on that, you see, when we pray, we know that God hears us and he answers our prayer. And that gives us faith to pray even harder and pray even more. That's why you must join us in this uh, next uh, week, week's prayer starting from tomorrow. Be part of this, that one week fast. Be part of it and pray. Believe and have faith that God is going to hear your your prayer and God is going to answer. He is the one who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think according to the power which is at work in us. What is the power at work in us? I'm just uh, quoting Ephesians uh, 3.20. The, the, the power at work in us is our faith. Amen. The power at work in us is our faith. Have faith in the, in the word of God. Have faith in the, in the God of, of your prayer. Have faith in him. And when he speaks, believe it. Hallelujah. Even if you are the, if you have the largest doubts, but the smallest hint of faith, Jesus will be there to reward you. If your little belief can move mountains, imagine if you grow in your faith, what it can do. Amen. Like I said to you, all of us have faith. The problem is that our faith is small when it comes to things or spiritual things because we are stronger on our carnal minds than we are in the things of God. Amen. So I encourage all of us, let us become faith people. Amen. Let us become faith people. Faith, the last one for today, faith guarantees resurrection. Think about it. Faith guarantees resurrection. In John chapter 11, verse 25, this is the story of Lazarus 25 and 26. The Bible says, And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And, what, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Amen. I am the resurrection and the life. Even if you die, if you have faith in me, you will rise up again. Amen. The good news is that if you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life with him in heaven, even though you may die on earth. Amen. It's amazing that God has chosen the treasures of nothing to confound the wise. Treasure in nothing. 
is what God, God is going to use. I don't know about you, but the foolishness of preaching is the second thing God has chosen. I think I'll just mention it and we'll, we'll continue next week. Preaching is the one seemingly unpow- uh, not powerful, but then God has chosen that mode to save the world. What can transform the hardest criminal? What can transform the most vicious criminal to become a saint? It is not the government. It's not prison. It's not all those things. But it's the foolishness of preaching. I remember some time ago, one day I'd finished preaching in church. And then this guy, you know, like people said they wanted to see me. So they were waiting you know, about three or four people had come to my office and gone for counseling and left. And then this guy walks in. It was his first day in church. And then he comes to the, to the office. And then he sits down. He says, Pastor, I just want you to know that I have done so many things. This was a, I have done so many things in my life. But today, I came to church. Your message has changed something in my life. And then he said that I just came from prison. I've been in prison for 18 years. And then as we're talking, I asked, so what took you to prison? He said, I killed somebody. (laughs) I was looking at the door. (laughs) I was looking at the door and hoping that somebody would come come and knock at the door. I mean, I tell you, that guy told me some things. I'll never forget this. The guy said some things. And I watched this guy in the church grow, develop, always in church. Became an usher in the church. Always in church. A hardened guy. His story, when he tells you the things that he used to do in prison, what can transform a hardened man it wasn't break loose you know praying some assault no 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 it was just the power of preaching simple or oh, what I'm doing just talking just transform them I mean you should see the guy big guy scary looking guy he became the, the nicest person in the church I mean when you see him he's asking people and he's smiling you won't believe that it's the same person the power of preaching is what God has chosen. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That foolish thing, that doesn't look anything strong. What I'm just doing, I'm just talking. It's like, it sounds like a lecture, but that is what transforms the hardened criminal into a great disciple. I pray for you that from today we will buy into the things that God uses, God's choices, and become strong in what God chooses.